Welcome to the Business Sphere. On this podcast, we want to share real stories and real struggles from entrepreneurs who have been where you are. John Fong interviews business professionals and entrepreneurs in many fields to uncover their successes and challenges. We take a deep dive into their journey and provide you with tips and advice to help your business today. Thank you for listening to The Business Sphere. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode. Joining me today is executive financial consultant, Jim Doyle. Jim helps individuals and business owners envision and realize their financial goals. Thanks for being on the show today, Jim. Glad to be here. So I know you're a fellow Canadian, so I really want to thank you for spending the time uh, to be on the show today. But before we get started, if you don't mind sharing with the listeners that don't know who you are already, a little bit about how you became who you are known as today. You know, in in, uh, uh, the Asian culture, this is the uh, water tiger year. And I'm a water person, okay? In it, on it, underneath it, okay? Um, One of my greatest passions in in the world, okay? Um, All muscle cars, also another passion of mine. And my third passion, and the one that takes up the majority of uh, my working life, is enhancing financial literacy. Those are my, uh, uh, my big passions. So water, um, is that the reason you live on the West Coast? Like you, you're an avid swimmer, or are you big into boating, sailing, yachting? What, what really gravitated to you for the water? Well, um, I love diving. You know, we got some of the best diving here in, in the world, and, and a lot of people don't even know it's right in their backyard. Um, boating, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's in my blood. Um, whether I'm water skiing or, you know, going out for a sail somewhere or something like that, it's just an awesome way to live. Amazing. I, I mean, if, if you... Were, were you born and raised out in Vancouver yourself, or did you relocate there? Um, I've been in BC uh, probably uh, four or five decades now, uh, okay. but I spent uh, time originally on the East Coast. I lived in Germany for a number of years, and uh, I had an opportunity uh, in, a, in a prior career to travel extensively throughout British Columbia, so uh, and I eventually arrived in Vancouver. Amazing. Um, so I'm a big, uh, I love Vancouver, a great culture, great city, very, you know, just relaxed environment. So I, I love the people there and the food and just everything about it. So I, I wanted to get a little bit more deeper on how you became who you are, right? So can you share with the audience members, like, what was your upbringing like? Did you study financial literacy growing up? Um, was your parents, um, you know, business mi- like-minded kind of individuals that kind of knew about money and finances? Um, if you don't mind sharing that, that'd be great, Jim. I'd probably suggest that I was raised in a uh, average middle-class family and money wasn't really talked about. Okay. And uh, I think significantly to my detriment and to an awful lot of families out there significantly to their detriment. Okay. It's a perpetual uh, habit. I think that's passed down from generation to generation. We won't talk about money. It's, it's taboo, you know, as opposed to maybe we can start a process of discussion that, that goes on. 
in my prior world, I was I was in the lending uh, business for about eight years, and I, I managed a number of institutions around the province. Um, and when I kind of finished that, I, I wanted to use some of my university education and you know use some of the uh, experiences that I had with regards to economics and so forth. And naturally, I found myself looking towards the investment industry. Um, I interviewed with a number of companies out there, and, and what eventually brought me to uh, Investors Group was the fact that they offered training, okay? And that was absolutely critical um, to, to uh, me choosing to be with this company. Amazing. Now, so how, how long have you been here? I think I'm starting my 33rd year. So um, obviously something's working right, and uh, you know who, who knows? Uh, another 10 years maybe? Uh, really difficult to say for sure. So how, obviously you've been in this role for over 30 plus years, so decades. You've seen a lot of individuals, a lot of different profiles of types of people in business, in, in life, right? Who do you typically work with and why? Well, um, I don't want to sound elitist, uh, but one of the challenges that I've got is I simply don't have enough hours in a day anymore. Um, I'm a student of uh, perpetual learning. So uh, if you've had a chance to, to look, I've got a lot of designations after my name. And part of it is because I wanted to be a one-stop shop in terms of offering comprehensive advice to well-heeled or financially comfortable Canadians. Um, I do a lot of work in the dental community. And I think the area of uh, specialization is kind of required these days. Um, you can't be a generalist and, and, and be uh, having time and the success that you want. Um, I think uh, if, if I can be uh, sharing a bit here, uh, I work with high net worth families because they have more complex issues and it really kind of tests my professional mettle. Um, and the more I go along, uh, the more it's about me not knowing all the answers, but using other professional resources uh, uh, to make things really good. Amazing. And these are great topics that you're hitting on. And I'm going to ask you to drill down a little bit deeper. I know you've been working with a lot of high network professional individuals that have their own usual business or their professional services, right? Like they're medical or dentists and doctors. Um, and they don't really went to, they didn't ever went to school for economics or finances, yet they're now trying to deal with this abundance of wealth or um, salary or income or whatever revenue that people don't even know what to do when they start seeing it all, right? Um, how do you, how did you get into this? Like, how did you understand that this is who I wanted to cultivate and work with type of people? And since then, how has that evolved for you? I, I think when I look early on in my career, uh, it was about having a lot of knowledge. Okay. And, um, like most young advisors, I probably looked upon this industry as all about proprietary skill set. You know, what do I have? What do I know that maybe my competitor uh, doesn't? Okay. And over a period of time, that be became less important. And 
What became more important was looking at the hows and whys. Uh, uh, people are making their, their money and investment decisions and how they utilize the professional advisors that they've got around them. And I would say to this day, that is one of the biggest challenges that I face is preconceived notions. Oh, no, that's my tax guy. He knows everything. That's my lawyer. He knows everything. And, you know, like our moms are probably taught us, you know, two heads are better than one. Okay, so it's about using those resources and a collaborative approach uh, uh, to solving issues. So, and this is great for all the listeners, business owners to really understand that you're going to have people that you have to go and seek out because you're not the expert at every single pillar of business operation. Let it be accountants, lawyers, um, it could be sales, operations, GM, it could be HR, it could be anything, right? There's so many different pillars within a business environment. And when it comes to finances, it's not only your accountant and bookkeeper, there's ones that you want to help you invest as well and prepare like goal planning, succession planning, trust, building a normal corporate structure so that you can shelter tax or figure out ways to have better advantages on your favor. And this is where expertise starts. You know, you understand as you mature in every industry, every business, right? What do the successful ones do that are 5, 10, 20 years um, more mature, right? That have already gone through it. And this, because you have been doing it for 30 plus years, I've been a business owner for now nine years and I work with, you know, a, a lot of high network business owners as well. I get just from talking to them that they do certain things that the average people wouldn't be doing, right? So why not just follow what the successful people are doing and listen and really really dig deep on trying to uncover where your gaps are and plug them with people that can do and assist you along the way. You know, I was sitting in a boardroom uh, uh, last week and a company that's become very successful, okay? And they didn't become successful overnight. You know, they've been doing this for, for a couple of decades, okay? And we're looking at some phenomenal success. We had their uh, uh, staff lawyer in there. We had their accountant. We probably had uh, about 12 uh, people in this particular room. And our focus was talking about uh, uh, you know, their governance structures and the fact that they needed to kind of formalize them. Okay. Now, we're not saying that this is the right move for everybody. But when I talk to a business owner you know, and I say, you might want to consider setting up an advisory board. Was that a board of directors? You know, and I was going, well, that's another way to go about things. And I think the real challenge is, is finding the right people who are going to take the time and put options on the table and not tell you what to do, but say, um, I'm going to suggest you that if you want to kind of go past here, then there's several people who have been through this experience and, and maybe you can take something from it. And that's great advice because... As a business owner, if, especially when you're young in early years, right? You feel that you know a lot more than everyone else. You feel like you can do everything and you're invincible. But as you mature, your time becomes, you know, 
restricted, right? Like you don't have enough time in the day to do everything. And then you realize that in order to grow and scale and, you know, be more successful, you need to delegate. You need people in place. You need people on the same page, you know, with the same kind of mindset. And you have to be in alignment with all the values and everything, right? It takes time to realize this. At what stage do typically business owners realize this? Because you talk to a lot of business owners. Um, and how, did, how long did it take you to realize, you know, what you need to do to, you know, grow your business? Well, I think we see a lot of business owners that are perpetually time starved. Okay. Thing I hear over and over again. Okay. Uh, they're way too focused on running the business as opposed to stepping back and, and looking at some of the trajectories and some of the planning that should go into uh, uh, future business directions. Um, there's a trust factor that is, is a significant uh, hindrance as well. You know, um, I don't know who I can trust, who I can talk to, who I can get a bit of advice, who is there to sell me something, okay? Um, and a lot of that is, is really a hindrance, I, I think, to a business owner uh, uh, taking those next steps and, and getting what they really want uh, from their business and from the life that they're living. So part of the role uh, that I want uh, is to say, okay, I need some sort of consistent time, whether it's uh, a quarter or every half year, where we just sit down and we talk about, you know, what's, what's working, what's not working, and, you know, what sort of resources uh, might be available. So I, I kind of wear the, the, the hat of being a financial concierge. Let me help you go find somebody. I think that's really great at that sort of stuff, or if somebody who knows somebody, and, you know, that's where I bring value to these types of uh, uh, situations. And this is good because you've seen so many people, so many business owners, so many professionals that you can help guide them. And because you're on a different industry, different space altogether, you have a lot of different perspectives that they are so closed off by in the operation, in, in the weeds, as a business owners would say, like, when you now have a chance to sit on the outside working on your business as opposed to in the business, you can then really plan out goal settings of three, five, 10 year trajectories on exit strategies or growth strategies or operational, you know, sales tactics and all these things, right? But when you're so busy, ingrained in it day and night, starving for time, even spending time with family is you know, a privilege, right? People have to realize, like, why did you go in business in the first place? Is it to be in the business in the weeds for 80 hour weeks for the rest of your life? Or, you know, the, the tree reason is for you to kind of, you know, enjoy the passion, the growth, the fruits of your labor, but then eventually have a better lifestyle, right? Whatever it is. To, to be more successful means, you know, you have abundance of choice with freedom of time, right? And the more you're able to free up time and move away from your business daily operations to then bigger picture, work on, you know, bigger issues that, you know, you might not think it's bigger, but then it will allow you to be less stressed, give you freedom to do other things that you've always wanted to do, like, 
you know, whatever that bucket list may look like. So I, I love that, Jim, that you're, you know, that concierge, right, uh, for business owners. And have you noticed that when, when clients join your services, um, what do they get the most out of? Like, what do they enjoy the best from your type of services? Well, uh, I think everybody is, is quite a bit different, okay? If you're a left brain type person, you're going to have a very different experience than if you're a right uh, brain person, okay? So, um, and, and I hope most people are kind of comfortable with that dialogue. You know, some people are numbers people. Others are, are people people, okay? So uh, I think they need to be approached from whatever background it is that they're bringing to the table. Um, I think the other element is, is to be honest with people. Um, a lot of, of relationships that I see out there, uh, you know, the other advisors, they don't want to uh, put any ripples in the water. So they'll, they'll do what you ask them to do as opposed to stand up and say, you know, um, maybe we need to take a little different tact on that. And I think uh, when you can get permission for people to open up and, and to be honest, Okay, uh, that go back to that trust thing. Okay, you can really get some wonderful things accomplished. I sat down with a, a business owner a couple of years ago, and um, we were talking about the growth that their company was on, and they were doing some beautiful things. Okay, and they were paying down their dad and uh, uh, really happy with where their earnings and their profits were and so forth. And I said, you know, one of the things you might want to do is, is go back and talk to your banker. Okay. Uh, Maybe look at increasing uh, your line of credit. They go, you know, no, no, Jim, I don't, I don't need uh, any more money. And I said, you know, if you only go to your banker when you're in trouble, okay, um, I think you could be hurting your growth opportunities. So off they went to increase their line of credit, okay. And strangely enough, you know, six months later, there's another business opportunity that presented itself. They had the financing already in place. What a wonderful outcome. And this is, you know, from your perspective, because you have a lot more experience in different industries and you have a lot more, you know, people that you work with. It's just allowing a different perspective from ones that you have already been in place. Like as a business owner, you're single focused, single minded. And what I've really looked at in the last couple of years is joining communities, like-minded people, finding other people in different aspects of different journeys and different stages of business to connect, right? And you bringing your financial knowledge um, for succession planning, exit strategies, family trust, or whatever it may be, can bring that new dimension if that's a skill set that's lacking in these business owners, right? And they have to be aware of what the gaps are as well to be knowing what to do with it. So how do you educate people to understand that every business owner should have someone like you on their side? Well, I'll offer two perspectives on this. One is, is as I'm a huge fan of Michael Gerber's The E-Myth and The E-Myth Revisited and so forth. Um, a beautiful line that I love to st steal from this is, enter business with an idea to how you're coming out of your business, okay? Um, and an awful lot of business owners, once they start to build their baby, you know, it's personal, okay? Um, and that's a tougher conversation. 
How do I use this to, to live the life that I want, do the things that I want to do? The second is um, you need to be careful about the advisors that you bring into um, your situation. Um, sometimes they, they only have a certain skill set that can take you only so far. And, and I think it's, it's a little more challenging to say, well, if I was to grow in a certain direction and I had additional things, what other things do you think we should be focusing on? What other resources should I bring to bear? What other people should be part of these conversations? What other skill sets do I need to develop between now and then? And this needs to be part of a regular dialogue so that uh, you're not dealing with someone who's only got a skill set that can only take you so far. And these are great uh, tidbits of advice. Like um, I read E-Myth a couple of years ago and that really, you know, again, I've already been putting systems in place, putting SOPs, uh, processes in place, but a lot of business owners don't put that in place early, right? And sometimes it's a little too late, especially during this downturn of what just happened during pandemic. People are scrambling to figure out like, why are they still doing what they're doing, living paycheck to paycheck and not really enjoying what they set out to do in the first place. But if you have built a lot of, you know, all these processes and, it, uh, you know, redundancies and security, you know, to, to prevent any of these mishaps, then you're in a lot better shape than the rest of them, right? So I, I feel like just recession proof, um, looking at different gaps in terms of your business, right? What are your competitors doing? What are the service opportunities? What are supply chain opportunities like resale, affiliates, different ways to monetize as well. Um, and a lot of people are so stuck in their own bread and butter service or product and they're so single focused, right? One product line skew and that's all. But what happens when something happens there, like supply chain issues or labor shortages or competitors that just reduce the cost, right? Like there's things that are out of your scope. You need to be prepared. And, um, you know, as a business owner myself, I talk to a lot of business owners. So I'm very fortunate and lucky in that sense. But I'm able to see what a lot of people aren't able to see when they're in the grind in their own business. Okay. One of my favorite little questions to ask a business owner is, what does financial independence look like for you? Okay. Help me understand what that looks like for you. In my mind's eye, financial independence uh, for a business owner is a business that runs itself without the owner being there. And it continues to generate beautiful revenues and so forth. So when I talk to a business owner and I say, well, you know, what does financial independence look like for you? Okay. What's a stretch goal for you? What's a stretch goal from your stretch goal? Okay. And I just ask permission to have that conversation to say, you know, what, what does your vision, what does your dream look like? Okay. And the old thing is if you, if you build a plan and you follow it, you're more likely going to, to go where you want to go. And it is true that whatever you put on paper and you look at it on a regular basis and you plan it out with, uh, you know, just slow activity on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, you're going to aim closer to it, even though you may not hit that goal, at least you're closer to it than if you did not write that goal down, right? And this is what I mean, like just little things that you learn in business. Something magical 
happens when you put pen to paper. Okay, um, I can't explain it. Okay, but it is—it's it, a phenomenon that for a lot of business owners, uh, you know, they're so accustomed to doing things by the seat of their pants. And I say, please, let's just take a little moment, pen to paper, please. Okay, very, very different outcome. So, for all the types of clients that you've been working with, um, I know a lot of these business owners are family run, um, and the succession planning, exit strategy, um, let it be passing on to the next generation or um, selling it, liquidating, and then having some sort of buyout, right? Payout at the end um, so that they can live their life, right? Um, and exit in whatever it may be, right? Um, have you found that, you know, the goals, the, the planning, how many of them have actually hit that in a shorter period um, versus, you know, some, some of them may realize that, Thanks for allowing me to put this plan together. It gives me more clarity, but I really enjoy not having to do much work now that I'm working on the business. Like I only have to work four hours a week as opposed to 50 hours a week and I'm loving it. Well, I know in my own experience when I was a young planner, um, there simply weren't enough hours in the day to do everything. Okay. And I'm a business owner and running my own practice and so forth. And, you know, you mentioned earlier about the, the power of delegation, but in family businesses, okay, um, there's not a lot uh, of structure built up as to how a business should function, may function, what the roles and responsibilities are. And you've got a whole lot of different competing agendas. Mom and dad's financial security, okay, uh, is going to impinge on the kids taking over the business at some point. If the kids don't have the resources to buy out, how does that impact mom and dad's uh, ultimate retirement? And for a lot of families, you know, they don't have enough conversation, okay? And I, and I mean with that with the deepest respect, okay? They don't talk about this stuff openly enough. And for a lot of families, you know, it's, it's like this. They, they don't know how to break the impasse. So... Sometimes that's my role is to help facilitate these family conversations and say, let's just talk a little bit, see what we can, what comes from it. Yeah, it's just opening up dialogue, right? And um, the fear of knowing, you know, there's that barrier and boundary where when numbers start, you know, being open, right? And present. And even with marriages sometimes, right? Like finances is what, discourages a lot of, you know, encourages a lot of divorces and breakups, right? It's because the, no one's clear on what direction and financial, you know, wealth really is happening, right? It, within each couples, even though salary and numbers and, you know, all these superficial things are happening. Um, when it boils down to like, what is going on in the, the goals, right? Like your five, 10 year, 20 year plan, and you're nowhere near it. And it's, it's frustrating to kind of have to, you know, present itself, right? Like be, numbers don't lie. And I've, I've learned that from, like I went to school for finance, my wife's an accountant. And so numbers are a big deterrent determination on where you're at sitting, benchmarking and where you want to be. 
And I, I look at numbers because I, I'm in the SEO world where I look at analytics all day long, conversion rate, click-through rate, behaviors of numbers. So data typically doesn't lie because when I see a lot of people coming to your site, traffic-wise, that typically means more visibility, which would translate to more traffic, leads, conversion, profit, revenue, et cetera. So all this correlation happens based on numbers. And you need to know your numbers, revenue, but most importantly, margins, profit, like cost of goods sold. But what am I making end of the day after all my expenses from labor, product, you know, inventory to, to, you know, rent and all the utilities and all that stuff. What am I bringing home? Because <laughs> if you're not bringing home more and you're spending way more than you should, it doesn't matter. Your business isn't profitable right? Like, how do you make it lucrative for the new prospective buyer to want to purchase a, a business that's not profitable? Well, um, I think it's a simple thing. If, if you look at how people view their home, okay, most people will view their home as having some attributes that are nicer than other homes in their neighborhood. And that's the way that people typically describe their homes, okay? And I think business owners are the same way. Um, when they talk about their businesses, they talk about the attributes of their business that, that they see that makes them special, okay? And in their mind's eye, their business is worth more than, than the street might pay. Um, now, this is going to sound a little bit crass, but uh, I often suggest to folks, you know, you can't keep secrets from your priest or your financial planner. If I don't know, I can't advise. And I think that's going back to, to a lot of folks that, you know, they want to keep the, uh, you know, the facade. Uh, 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 everything is perfect and it's going well, as opposed to what frustrates you, what challenges you, um, where are the stumbling blocks in, in, in doing the things that you want to do? So uh, having those conversations and I, and I keep coming back to it, I, I think that's so critical to everybody working together and, and help you row in a great direction. And thanks a lot, Jim, for sharing that, because uh, just like having an accountant, just like having a bookkeeper, right? Being fully transparent during the audits or yearly financial statements, creation, um, you know, your T4s, your business, you know, financial statements. When everything's created, that's something that you have to be fully transparent and clear on right? Like government wants their taxes. You need to ensure that everything you're putting there um, checks out, right? And just like yourself, without clarity on wh what you want to do and being honest and transparent and, you know, for you to acknowledge where the gaps are, help guide you in the direction that you want to be guided. And this is where the, the stand we play as well here at Local SEO Search. We actually make sure that all clients give us full access to their entire backend website, email, whatever it is, right? So that we can fully help them by creating systems, processes, tracking metrics to ensure that whatever their KPIs and metrics are is in alignment with what is their goals, right? So we can help them guide them. And it's so important that that trust, that honesty um, is there in place because Again, when someone gives us full access to their website, especially if it's an e-commerce site, they better trust us, right? Like you better earn that trust. It's the same thing with numbers, finances. 
when you're giving all bank statements, your SIN number, your all your government information, that trust has to be there. So, you know, you you nailed it, Jim. Like, there's that barrier, but when you start seeing that a lot of these professionals now trust you, um, it's opened the door, right? Like, we deal with a lot of professional businesses, B two B, family run businesses ourselves, and it's earning that trust. Everyone needs to earn it. It don't take it for granted. It can be broken any time, right? So you need to still constantly work on it. You still got to constantly enjoy the process and get better. You got to improve. You got to work on communication and alignment and deliverables and go out and surround yourself with more people so that you can offer up better solutions. So over the course of 30 plus years, um, yeah, I know you have a lot of destinations after your name. What have you found to be really worthwhile in terms of the time that now you're devoting early years versus now? What do you spend most of your time doing? Well, um, there was a point where I had over 1,100 clients. And at that point, the, the practice ran me. Today, I'm looking after about uh, 220 families. And my team has quadrupled in size um, since those early days. And, you know, I can only afford to take on about 12 new clients a year to meet the commitments that I have to clients when I, when I bring them on board. We're looking at a whole lot more than we used to uh, going back a couple of decades. Uh, you know, the risk side of the, of the picture, you know, when we talk to a new business owner, you know, you need to make sure that your foundation is solid before you start building on top of it. Um, you know, and that means, you know, get your life insurance looked after, get your disability taken care of, you know, make sure uh, if you've got staff that you've got a decent benefits program. So you're going to get a chance to keep and attract uh, a good quality staff. Um, you know, those are critical conversations and um, yeah, you, uh, I want to move beyond assuming. So uh, having an open mind and, and uh, a willingness to, to look at things every once in a while, uh, I think is key to what's probably changed most for me um, is let me understand more of why, okay? Let me understand more about what's going on in your family. Let me understand more about what's going on in your relationship, okay? Um, and again, it's about having permission and an environment to have those types of conversations. And this is great insight because like you mentioned, it's when, when you were starting, you got all these clients and you thought numbers and maybe more is better. But then as you become more wise and become more clear on what works for you, what you ultimately want to do, you were able to reduce the amount of clients, but offer them more by doubling your headcount. But providing more catered niche specific expertise or, you know, more custom approach for the elite type of clients that you ultimately want to work with. And as you mature in your business and every business is like this, you kind of have this ideal avatar, ideal persona of the type of client you want to work with. But that permission, like you mentioned, to help guide them has to be earned. They need to really be able to have that comfort to open up to you so that you can help them. And I love the fact that you talked about like asking questions because without assuming, you need them to realize 
what's going on. Like you need to have them open up. And the more they're more comfortable with you, the more open they're going to be, right? And that takes time to be earned. And it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen after six months or a year. It may take five years. It may take a couple more years than that, right? And as you know, like I've been doing this for nine years, but before that, I've been doing similar industry for 10 years. And so time cures a lot of things, right? People respect you a lot more when you've been in it for a long time, right? Like someone with expertise in 30 years versus someone that has five years or three years, like a real estate agent, right? Like, would you go to a realtor that has 20 plus years or someone that just came out of school? I think when a lot of folks look to what they think it is that I do, okay, um, they may look to me to be a market forecaster, okay, and that's truly not what I do, okay. So I have to have those upfront contracts that that say, okay, these are the types of things that we want to be talking about, okay. Uh, these are the things that we think are are, are critical in, in terms of any relationship that I've that I've taken on, and you know. Um, the challenge for some business owners is for me to be able to say to them, I can't care more about your outcome than you do. So um, if I can't have that type of upfront contract, then they're probably not a good fit for us in terms of trying to work with them on a long-term basis. Um, I take families on. And by, by, by taking families on, that means I do inter intergenerational planning. That means... I look after the kids. You know, I look after everybody that's in their immediate circle, mom and dad, parents, grandparents, okay, the whole thing. Because if I'm going to put together a beautiful estate plan as an example, I need to make sure that everybody understands what that's all about, okay, who's going to implement it, okay, uh, and some of the roadblocks or challenges that we're going to face as we go along. So creating that sense of expectation uh, having an upfront contract, okay, and, and creating an environment where, where, where folks kind of know what the path looks like. Um, I think those are, those are big steps. Amazing. And it all boils down to that alignment, right? And that trust, like you mentioned. Um, when you're an expert or you're perceived to be an expert in whatever profession it is, you have to earn trust. You have to be respected in your industry and in your niche and your market. And that takes time. And I'm sure in your business, similar to mine, referrals happen. And this is the best feeling because you know something's working. Like you're, you're taking care of your clients and they're passing your name around, right? And so I'm sure on your end, that's where most of your business is coming from, the new business. Well, one element of the business that, that uh, I don't do as much work in anymore um, I've done north of 150 divorce files, okay? And acting as a CDFA or Certified Divorce Financial Analyst, you know, we, we explore the consequences uh, of a divorce. And when you've got a business or a family business involved in that situation, um, your complexity just goes up a lot, okay? Um, but when I say to folks, you know, uh, like for instance, I'm looking at a, a trust or I'm looking at an estate plan, you know, I'm not going to draft the legal documents, but I'm going to understand the language and be able to translate it back in a way that is usable 
and let's say jargon free. Uh, and that's a lot of value for, for clients that we work with. Simplify, right? Make it as easy, ingestible, so that people can acknowledge what you can do. It's very similar to what we do in SEO. Like it's fairly complex of what goes on in the search world, but we try to simplify it for business owners so that they understand what really matters. And that's exactly what you have been doing such a great job on, uh, Jim. And I fully respect what you've been doing. So what have you been up to lately? What are your five, 10 year plans? Like, I know you're, you have a show. What's going on in your world? Well, if anybody had told me a handful of years ago, I'd be, I'd be doing a national TV show. Uh, I might have said, okay, let's talk more about that. Um, it's been fun, okay? Um, we just finished up our past season. Uh, we had a lot of very successful business owners that uh, we had share their stories and share their experiences and so forth. And, you know, you can't find this stuff in a book, okay? And for folks who are willing to share that type of stuff and, and, and in their own way, be, be a mentor to the next generation, um, you know, I could live in that environment 24-7. It's just that wonderful to be around. That's amazing. And this is where we have alignment, where you're enjoying what you're doing. You're really appreciating the type of people that you're you know, gravitating towards, the impact that you're making on the people that you're serving. And, you know, it's like that whole circle of influence, right? Where you're enjoying, you're having, you know, a blast doing what you love and you're making a difference at the end of it. And people are realizing it and respecting you for it, right? So these are things that I have really come to realize as I mature, uh, am maturing in my industry. And enjoying right the entire process where i'm making an impact on my team my clients and the circle of people that i'm now making impacts on it might not be generational yet but i'm working on it and you know that's a part of the growth uh, phase as well and i you know i'm trying to absorb a lot of content um you know producing content as well um as there's people ahead of me and also be behind me and i want to make an impact on those type of people that might need uh, a leg up right so just understanding that there's going to be people out there they're going to perceive a lot of things but you stay the course you just continue doing what you do and keep working on it because nothing's perfect and no one has the answer you just got to keep working so couldn't have said it better <laughs> thanks a lot i really appreciate your time jim um what's the best way people can reach out to you check you out or uh, message you if you don't mind sharing well um i still love email uh jim.doyle at igpwm.ca and i still take phone calls uh 604-630-3733 and for those who want to take a look at what we're about, uh, LinkedIn is, is, is great. Um, I, I'm going to add those on all the show notes. So definitely check out Jim. He's a great human that's also a Canadian. And that's full respect right there. And I love Vancouver, by the way. So thanks a lot. I really appreciate your time, Jim. And this was a lot of fun. Thank you as well. Thank you. Thank you 
for listening to our latest podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to The Business Sphere and share this episode. Tune in next week for more interviews from entrepreneurs. Thank you.